Let's go for it, everybody. Let's record another episode of our podcast called Election Profit Makers. And why don't you folks listen along at home as we do it? Let's go for it. The finish line is within our sight. It's almost the end of March 2023, which means spring is really heating up. And that means the race for excellence has never been hotter. Running in lane one, we have Kid Midas, the original wave rider, and running right beside him in lane two, jumping those hurdles with the strength of a thousand Energizer bunnies, battery animals, that is, is none other than Long John Silver. Johnny, how are you? Hey, Davey. What's up? You haven't answered my question, Johnny. How's up? I'm fine. Okay, there we go. That's what I want to hear. If I ask a question, I want an immediate articulate answer with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. All right, I'm fine. I'm fine. John, what day of the week is it? Tuesday. Oof. You got really- Monday. Kind of had a crisis of confidence there once you got through that first syllable. No, it's it's Tuesday. It it always feels like a Monday to me. Because didn't we used to record on Monday? Yes. And then you were up my ass for like three years straight begging us to start recording on Tuesday. And now here we are yeah. recording on a Tuesday and you think it's a Monday. No, I know. But it's 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 whatever. You're the definition of topsy-turvy. You are the definite, yeah. the very living embodiment of topsy-turvy. I, okay. You're like a All Lewis right. Carroll character in Alice in Wonderland. What? She falls mm-hmm. through that looking glass and finds herself at a tea party being cut in half by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and then you show up wearing a hat as pants or something, and you say, my name is Topsy Turvy. Monday is Tuesday, and Tuesday is Monday. If you can solve me a riddle, I'll give you a free ticket to the Queen's Croquet Massacre. And then Alice is like, oh, okay, Uh, I'll, I'll answer your riddle. And then you say, here comes me riddle from Mr. Topsy Turvy. Here's the riddle. Which final four had the lowest combined total seeds in the NAC conference from ACC Big East Pac-12? That's your riddle, little Alice. Can you solve it? Hmm. Let's see. Your two great interests, doing everything back-asswards and being obsessed with numbers and statistics when it comes to college basketball. That's right. This final four actually has the highest seed total, the second highest seed total of all time. The first highest seed total of all time was in 2011. There you go. You want to uh, define your terms there for the listeners who aren't subscribed to our Patreon, listening to our barrage of of, of NCAA tournament updates? You've got one seeds and two seeds and three seeds. So if a one seed, if if you have a final four where all the number one seeds make it, then the seeds all together add up to four. One plus one plus one plus one. That's right. Now, okay. if all 16, the four 16 seeded teams made it to the final four, and mind you, that has never happened and will never happen, then the seed total would add up to 64. 16 plus 16 plus 16 plus 16. That's right. And in this final four, you have a five and a four. That's, That's a nine. nine. And then you have a nine. That's 18. And a five. That's 23. That's right. And in 2011, I think the number total was 26. So you're telling me that in this year's Final Four, the total seed summation of the four teams is 23. Mm-hmm. And what year is this Final Four being played <gasps> in, John? 
2023. So here's a question for all the sports aficionados out there. When's the last time we had a Final Four seed summation that that was also the year in which that Final Four was being played? I think history might be written on this Final Four. This might not happen that often, John. Think about it. 23 and 23? Come on now. That is interesting because it started in 19... 19- 39, but seeding didn't begin until 1979, and you wouldn't have seen any numbers because you couldn't even get that high. Until the year 2004. That's right. Because you couldn't have a number higher than 64 or less than four. David. Say it. You're a genius, and it's... That is really interesting. It, It may have happened. But I think you're probably right that it hasn't. John, let's just say I'm just built different. Do people still say that on Twitter? Yeah. What's what's going on on Twitter? What's the latest slang? I need to know what the catchphrases Ooh. are so I can stay current. Wasn't uh, that wasn't that one for a while? He's just built different, or I'm just built different. Did I make yeah. that up? Was that I a don't dream? think people say it about themselves, but oh, they might have said right. that. Yeah. Okay, I would say something different. like. Long John Silver's just built different. Right. And then I would post a gif of you like tripping over a statistic or something and hitting your head. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sounds good. So what's the latest catchphrases on Twitter? I can't, I, I don't know. Uh, that's what she said. That's one that Elon, that's one that Elon Musk uses. Really? Uh, yeah. I used it the other day. Where'd you pick that up at, Elon? Uh, the antique store? Oh, boy. He just went there. He's just built different. <laughs> yeah. Kid he Midas just is there. just built different. Phrasing. That's one. Oh, I've never heard that. Okay. Oh, wait, maybe I have, but that yeah. precedes Twitter. Okay. Maybe. Right? Yeah. How about this one? No, you shut up. That still goes hard. That's <laughs> yeah, still does. a tough one. Yeah. Someone yeah. tells you to shut up, guys. You can always just turn around and look them up and down and say, no, you shut up. That'll stop them in their tracks. Are we baby boomers? We're not baby boomers. We're Gen X. (laughs) Right? Okay. Yeah. We're right in the middle of Gen X. We're Gen X to the core. Yeah, we're Gen X to the core. And that core is hardcore because hardcore music was developed by Gen X, I think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. John, there's a big week in the news this week for North Carolina. The president of the United States, Joe Biden... Is he in North Carolina as of this podcast taping? Yes, he landed at RDU about an hour ago. And according to the itinerary, he is supposed to be at uh, a technology company called Wolf Speed in the RTP about a half an hour ago. Wolf Speed? Wolf Speed. Uh, it's uh, used to be called Cree. And uh, they, they changed their name. Maybe Cree is the holding company now, but it's Wolf Speed. It's a bunch of NC State guys. Wolf. Like Wolfpack. What does what do they do? Make video games? Oh, uh, silicon wafers. Mmm. Silicon wafers. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If I was a beat poet, I would say something like this. Eat your silicon wafer in the Eucharist of technology. Is that good? I'm going to work on that poem. I think that could be good. It could be called The New Communion, colon, Technology Savior. I'm going to work on that. You keep talking while I work on my poem. 
Well, so he is here launching Joe Biden. President Joe Biden will be launching his investing in America tour, which apparently is going to go for the next three weeks. It's his first time in North Carolina since the last time he was in North Carolina, which was in mm. November. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. And uh, I can't remember the last time he was in Durham, but I do remember when he was here, he went to a local cookout. So who knows what old Joe will be doing today. Thank you for that amazing field report, John. In other North Carolina news, what else can you tell us about the news in North Carolina? Uh, Medicaid expansion happened in North Carolina. That made the front page of many newspapers. Yes. Uh, North Carolina is the 40th state to expand um, Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act and will not take effect until the budget is agreed upon this summer. So there may be some shenanigans uh, in that process. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited that this has happened, but I have a feeling that uh, we're going to pay for it in some way as they hold that hostage in the budget negotiations. But that's great for North Carolina. It's great for the 600,000 North Carolinians that fall into the category to take advantage of that. So, And Talking Points Memo ran a huge investigative piece about some old social media posts that were uh, written and dispensed with, with, with undue venom by North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. All these crazy Facebook posts about um, gay people and how black people suck. Mark Robinson is a black person, by the way. So you know he has a huge future in the Republican Party because Republicans love uh, black people who talk down about black people. I kind of think Mark Robinson is is I kind of think he's topped out lieutenant governor. I can't imagine people will vote for him to be governor, but maybe I'm just naive. I mean, some of these posts were like pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. And he has like an alter ego and stuff like he posts as his alter ego. Like he was really. um, Wait a minute. I didn't really. Yeah. You got to read the article. I know. It was too depressing. I I don't want to read about Mark Robinson. All right. We don't have to talk about Mark Robinson. I just knew that it was bad. I just knew that it was bad. And Josh Stein is going to win. Assuming that it is Robinson that gets the nomination on the GOP side. Well, let's turn to some more exciting financial news out of North Carolina. Everybody remembers the trials and tribulations of everyone's favorite bank, Silicon Valley Bank. This was the preferred bank for techno investment and startups and all that kind of stuff. VCs, if you've ever heard about that, a VC investing seed capital in this fun new startup that's going to revolutionize the way we Mm-hmm. Order cars online, stuff like that, right? Or maybe an NFT. Would you like a funky, a funky drawing that only you can own? The the uh, title of the drawing, or or yes, maybe it's in a spreadsheet that you can look at with your cryptocurrency. Yeah, put your money in Silicon Valley Bank, and then it all went to hell. It but all went to hell. someone has shown up to buy the distressed Silicon Valley Bank, John. <laughs> What's this the North Carolina me. connection here? Yeah, this really shocked me. First Citizens Bank, uh, which was started in Smithfield, North Carolina, right now is headquartered in Raleigh, is buying Silicon Valley Bank. And this is probably the 
least cutting edge bank in North Carolina and maybe in the country. So uh, it's a surprising uh, development, in my opinion. I, I, they're very conservative uh, and traditional, and they definitely make a lot of money, but they don't seem like the type of bank that would be messing around with VCs and technology and things of that nature. But, but they clearly want to get into that business, and I think it might be good for uh, the Research Triangle area and startups here. And I don't know if it'll be good for the people in California. I think I think the people from Silicon Valley Bank are going to have culture shock dealing with the uh, Mayberry contingent uh, here. So, if you buy a distressed bank, what are you buying? Uh, you're yeah. I don't know. You're, okay. You're bu- yeah. You're buying all the loans that are still outstanding for one. Um, and anybody who still has their deposits there. So I think they should change the name from SVB to RTB. Which stands for what? Research Triangle Bank. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be good? That's terrible. Okay. And I'll tell you why, because it sounds too much like RTP, Research Triangle Park. Yeah. And so if you say RTB, everyone will be confused. Come on, you should know that. Phonemes, man, phonemes. You know, the, the, the founders of this bank or the owners of this bank, the largest, uh, the, the family that started the bank. You're talking about First Citizens Bank. Yeah, I'm talking about First Citizens Bank. Their last name is Holding. Well, that's kind of interesting because the yeah. bank is holding us hostage and making us a slave to the capitalist system. That's right. And did you know that the founders of BB&T, which merged with SunTrust and became Truist, did you, you know what BB&T stands for? Bakersfield, Blank Fine, and Terry. It stands for Branch Banking and Trust. But Hmm. the branch is not a bank branch. The branch is the last name of the family that started it. You're telling me we got one bank whose family name is Holding and another bank whose family name is Branch? That's right. That's how we do it here. What's next? A bank whose family name is Money Safe? Keep it in here now? <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, that's your North Carolina banking news right now. Uh, First Citizens will be the 25th largest bank in America. After this, I think they'll be larger than, you know, like Barclays and stuff like that. But. Still nowhere as large as Bank of America, based in Charlotte, which is the second largest bank in America. And um, yeah, another North Carolina bank takes over a California bank. Just one of those things. Just one of those things. Yeah, yeah. John, let's turn now to my predicted portfolio. Okay. I'm only in three markets, as everyone knows, because I've talked about it to death. Um, and there's only 11 markets left on this zombified version of Predict It. GOP 2024 presidential nominee. My investment stands at $400. And Donald Trump has once again surged a full seven cents now ahead of Ron DeSantis. Now, the former president held a big rally in Waco, Texas recently. Good optics there. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone giving a speech in Waco, it's probably going to be some nice vibes, uh, given the context. 
And he also successfully hornswoggled everybody in America, including me, Kid Midas, into thinking he was going to be indicted this past Tuesday because he tweeted about it or not. Whatever he did. What do you say? He truth. He posted about it. Yeah. I refuse to say he truthed about it. That's fine. He uh, posted about it on social media saying he was going to be indicted on Tuesday. And I, of course, thought, well, I suppose that means he has some inside knowledge and he wants everyone to have a riot on Tuesday. But nothing happened on Tuesday. And just now I said that he hornswoggled everybody and snookered everybody. He probably didn't. But me, I can't help but trust this guy. Isn't that insane that I still my impulse when he says something is still to believe it because he's a grown up and he used to be president. Really? So many. But he would have I mean, to be fair, he would have a a better idea than most just with his attorneys speaking to, uh, you know, the various other powers that be of, of when he might be indicted. So he he doesn't know, but he might know. He might have a better idea than most. Why did he? This thing I don't understand about it is why would he say that if it wasn't true? I think he probably believed that it was going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. I yeah. kind of hope it never happens because this New York case is so weak. I want to get to the real cases. Why is this New York case weak? I, I don't... Okay. The New York case is about the Stormy Daniels thing. Right. Stormy Daniels was going to tell people that she had sex with Donald Trump when he was a married man. Donald Trump, through Michael Cohen, his lawyer, paid Stormy Daniels a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then Mike, and then Donald Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen, but lied mm-hmm. about what the reimbursement was. He called it like legal services or something. Right. So he, he filed an inaccurate business report or whatever, which is a misdemeanor, unless that... Um, Okay, I got to interrupt you because I have to. I have. I got to go get some water. I gotta. Wow. Okay. It's a sweaty story, huh? You got thirsty there. Yeah, yeah. But you erotic. See, this is why uh, the more water you drink, it causes problems. You gotta go get some water, but bring the water back up here with you so that you're not constantly running back and forth to drink a little bit. And I'll go get some water too. And and folks, we'll be right back. Freshly hydrated. I just had to get some water. Water is life. Okay. I like the way you move. Hey. All right, we're back. We're back. Where's your water? There's your water. Oh, you're drinking water. Okay. I'm not drinking water at a huge, heavy, steel. You're drinking it out of like a one liter Gatorade bottle. Yeah, because that's water should be. No. Water should be what? It should it should not be drinken, drunken, drinked. Uh-huh. Out of these huge $400 steel things that can damage everything they touch. This is a plastic, cheap Gatorade container. 
How many times do you feel comfortable drinking water out of a used? Seven hundred times. No, I'll drink out of like three times, and then I'll throw it away. So people are like, "Oh, the plastic is going to leach into it. You're going to die." Really, I'm, no, right. I'm not. I know. I know. I think I'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, you're I the Gatorade so. water man. <laughs> That's right. That's what I am today. Yeah. So anyway, falsifying business records in New York. Because remember, this is a New York, New York City case, right? Okay, that's right. It's a misdemeanor, unless it's in the context of another crime, and they're trying to say that it was a, it was a f- campaign finance violation because it right. was, the payoff was related to the campaign, right? But the Trump administration or the Trump legal team can argue we didn't silence Stormy Daniels because we were worried about the campaign. We silenced Stormy Daniels so that Melania wouldn't have her poor little heart broken. And learn that in a moment of weakness, her beloved husband, Donald J. Trump, right. fell victim to a succubus, a professional well, pornographic can, actress who trades in sex and broken marriages. Hey, it can be both. Yeah, but I think that's going to be kind of hard to prove. So I kind of hope they don't indict him over this and we get to the meaty stuff in Georgia and January 6th. And the documents down at Mar-a-Lago, because that's when that's when I mean, maybe it'll be fine because they'll rough him up a little bit and he'll right. get stressed out and and start exercising poor judgment. Maybe that'll be good. But anyway. well, I want it to happen because we have a side bet. Yeah, that's true. Because- I think this side bet, maybe we could amend it today okay. in the event that it doesn't happen, because the side bet that we set up the other day was that if he is a- arrested, indicted in New York that when they take the mugshot, I am betting that he will smile in that mugshot, just like Tom DeLay famously did. So when they use it later on, it just looks like it's uh, you know an ID of some sort and not a scary looking mugshot. You are betting against that. Right. The context here is that apparently Donald Trump has been actively hoping for a perp walk because that'll look, make him look more like a martyr. Right. Uh, And that he's going to use the optics of this arrest or this indictment to his advantage. John thinks he'll go so far as to smile in his mugshot. mugshot. I say that not only will Donald Trump scowl in his mugshot, he will actually have face tattoos in his mugshot. Oh, okay. I was just going to say that that story of him wanting the perp walk and taking advantage of it, that is clearly, you know, some Steve Bannon bullshit that they are spinning they absolutely do not want that. They're just going to say, yeah, that, that's what we wanted. And there won't be a perp walk. I can't no, imagine. No, there never not. was going to be a perp walk, and, but there will be a mugshot. But let's say, let's keep the mugshot side bet going. Yeah, it's $20 for when, bet. For whenever, for whenever the first The mug first Trump is. mugshot, you say he'll smile in it and I say he'll frown in it. And that's a $20 bet. Right. Now- the only thing worse if you're a presidential candidate than being photographed being led away in handcuffs in a perp walk is to be questioned on television by Piers Morgan about whether the story is true that you once ate chocolate pudding using three of your own fingers as the utensil. Ron DeSantis's career is over. It doesn't matter how many books he bans down in Florida. It doesn't matter how many bullshit parental rights anti-trans, anti-nonsense he gets up to down in Florida. doesn't matter if he bans AP black history in its entirety. This dude will never be president. I finally watched this guy speak and watched his face. John, I'm a student of the human face. You know that about me. 
And you've been saying for months, this guy sucks and has, just has a weird anti-charisma. I wanted to see the Piers Morgan interview about him, the rumor that he once ate pudding using three of his own fingers to scoop the chocolate pudding out of the cup and then into his mouth, sucking the pudding off his fingers, because I have an interest in such activities, aesthetically, psychologically, <laughs> and erotically. erotically. And it was, it was probably the worst denial of eating pudding with fingers that I've ever seen. And then someone asked him, it was it was Pierce Morgan then asked him where were you on 9/11 and he didn't answer it why not he i don't know why not he was like well it was a, d- a different time in my life and you know i wasn't necessarily paying attention to politics and everything he just said oh, where were you on 9/11 you know those poli- i don't get into that i'm not a wonk i don't get into that political minutia like 9/11 <laughs> so where I'm was he on 9/11 over here yeah, I mean, where was he? I think he was at uh, Harvard Law. He was a student <gasps> at Harvard Law, and maybe he didn't want to say that, or it's maybe like when Katie Cour- it's like when Katie Couric asked Sarah Palin what newspapers she reads, and right. Sarah Palin panicked and said, "Oh, I just read all of them," because she didn't want to admit that, like, she read the New York Times or the Washington Post. Remember, because she was dumping on the media all day every day. Uh, I don't think that's the re- no. I don't think she read any of them. She couldn't name anything. No, I that think was- it's. No, oh, you really no. have a low opinion of no. Sarah Palin. No, people should write in and t- and and I'd love to hear what people have to say about this. No, she didn't. She she, she blanked because she doesn't read anything. She doesn't read anything. She's the governor of Alaska. You think they didn't put a New York Times on her desk every morning? Uh, no. Wow. She didn't read any of that. Stuff. All right, we'll put it. Oh, let's so put aside saying, Sarah Palin. Okay, so so DeSantis didn't answer because, I mean, he could have just said, "I was in class at Harvard Law." which maybe would have been bad, but I think he probably wasn't in class. He probably was, you know, in his girlfriend's apartment having blown off class. And it was just, he didn't want to say I was uh, hung over from the night before. Who knows what, but either way, he did not answer it. And everyone has been asked that question so many times. Not as a gotcha question, but just like, where were you the morning everything changed like that? Yeah. Is no oh harm in God, saying, I well, I was, you know, at the doctor's office or I was at home. I mean, you, you don't have to have. Wait, hold on. There. This is better than the pudding thing. I was hoping everyone would just keep asking him about pudding. But that's a great question to pester someone with. Where were you on 9-11? Because <laughs> first of all, the framing is so intense. It's like makes you sound like Muhammad Atta. Like, uh, yeah, I was uh, at flight school. Uh, <laughs> kind of awkward, but I was trying to get my pilot's license for my dad's birthday to take him skydiving. Yeah, that's a great question. Where were you on 9-11? And he won't answer it. He's got to answer it at some point. He's got to answer it. Oh, my God. I love it. Did he really say, I can't remember because I wasn't politically involved? That's an all-timer. I don't believe he said, I can't remember, but he he clearly, he dodged it. He was like, you know, that was uh, just a time in my life where I wasn't that politically active. And it was- Oh, my God. That's- Okay. I wasn't that politically active, so I wasn't watching TV that day. You think he heard about it and watched something else on TV? Is that what it is? Hmm. You think he was hung over at his girlfriend's apartment, skipping class at Harvard Law? It could just be as simple that he was in class and he heard about it in class at Harvard Law. But and he had to go to his next class to be a blah, good blah, blah, boy blah, blah. and get his law And degree. he just didn't want to bring up Harvard Law because it makes him look like an elitist. Right. 
Just like Sarah Palin didn't want to bring up the fact that she reads Mother Jones magazine in the Utney Reader no, every that, day. No, that is not true because Sarah Palin only reads People. Hmm. Well, we're, re- we're reading People right now, John, in a manner of speaking because we're really reading these two. We're analyzing them based on their public pronouncements and their public appearances. Think about that. Okay, so you think that DeSantis is not going to I, – I think, I think there's a case that DeSantis may not run at all now. Yeah. That's true because he hasn't officially announced and the hive mind of journalism has turned on DeSantis and written him off entirely, even though there's like 50 years until the next election. Yeah. But it's not looking good for him right now and he might decide it's not worth it. Because even the Stormy Daniels thing, the the pending indictment in New York, he kind of had a hard time threading that needle where he has to support Donald Trump as the leader of the party and the greatest president who's ever lived. Right. While also reminding people that what he's being charged with is like pretty lurid and dare I say unchristian. It's just too difficult. Like, why don't you wait till you can run in an easier election, an easier primary? Right. What if what if he's just playing the long game and setting himself for 2028? So it's going to be Biden versus versus Trump. And uh, then it's open in in 2028, regardless of whether Biden or Trump wins because Trump can only serve one more term. God, he's such a piece of shit, though, DeSantis. What a piece of shit, all that stuff he's doing down in Florida. Yeah. I mean, don't you think he's kind of a total tool? He's a real piece of shit, right? Yeah. Like the, all the book banning and stuff. And <sighs> sometimes I just shake my head. Sometimes when I look at the news, I just shake my head and spit in a cup. Unbelievable yeah. stuff. Yeah. The guy, the guy wasn't even brave enough to say, yeah, I eat pudding with my fingers. I think it's really hot. <laughs> he said, so what he say? he said something I like, dis- I don't think so. I don't remember doing that. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, yeah, like- you did it. You did. And, then he was, and then he said something like, well, I know I definitely used to do stuff like that when I was a kid. Yeah. I was a fiend for the soft stuff. <laughs> hey, the latest on the predicted lawsuit currently in, in the Fifth Circuit. Yeah, what's going on on Predicted News? Okay, the CFTC told the Fifth Circuit in a filing last Thursday that Victoria University will get a fair shake when it submits its response to the March 2nd letter detailing claims against the political futures exchange. So Victoria University's response is due on April 5th. And based on what the CFTC has said in the filing, it will probably rule shortly after it receives that response. So, And remind us who Victoria University is. They're the, the ones that um, run Predict It. They don't necessarily run it, but they are the uh, creators of it. Um, so for now, the injunction remains in place and uh, we can continue to trade. Wonderful news. You don't trade though, because you're a coward. Well, there's there's just there's not much to trade on. So, um, I think eleven different markets would beg to differ. Okay. Let's talk about Connecticut, John. We've had some inquiries about doing a live show in Connecticut, and we have had some. Oh, I uh, thought you meant Connecticut, the basketball team. Oh, no. they made it Say to the Final for- Four, and I really do not like their coach. But you know what? I mentioned that in our last Patreon episode, right? Um. Which, uh, if, yeah, if you want to hear about that, you want to hear about the uh, terrible experience I had with Trevor Noah this past weekend. That was an incredible Trevor Noah story. And how I'm going to sue. Then, yeah. Uh, yeah, become a, um, a patron. 
You want to give the Patreon link? Oh, yeah. Patreon.com slash election profit makers. Turn Turning our attention now to Connecticut news. We've had some interest in doing a live show in the state of Connecticut. And we've had some listeners who have taken the initiative and started to figure out potential venues and housing arrangements and flight arrangements. But there's one huge, shall we say, known unknown, if I can quote Donald Rumsfeld. We don't know how many listeners we have in Connecticut beyond those few who have reached out to help us do a live show in Connecticut. And because our appearance fee is $70,000, we want to make sure that if we were to fly across the country to Connecticut and do a live event, more than, say, 10 people would show up. Right. So we are asking you now, if you live in Connecticut or live within driving distance of Connecticut, let's say New Haven or Hartford, I know those aren't next door to each other, but they're both in Connecticut. Right. Let us know. If you would come to a live show, a live taping of election profit makers. What about Rhode Island? Providence, Rhode Island. That's not very far. You could come from Providence, Rhode Island. Boston's not too far. What we want to do is gauge listener interest in a live show in Connecticut. So if you if you think you would be up for that, send an email to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Please be up for it because I really want to go to Connecticut. John has got so into Connecticut, it really put a fire under his ass. Yeah. I'm just intrigued. John, we got an email from Cyrus about a place called Miami. Ever heard of it? He writes, what do you think about the Miami skyline? Does it even have a skyline? For the city with the third most skyscrapers in the entire country, it seems to have a very disorganized skyline with too much space between the buildings. Can it even be considered to have a skyline? Or do you think it has a few different skylines? EPM listeners want to know your rulings on this incredibly important case. Uh, yes. Miami has a skyline. It's it's too linear for me. I'm not a fan of a linear skyline. It is not Miami's fault, obviously, uh, that it has that skyline. But they... Well, of course, whose fault is it? Toledo's? Of course, it's Miami's fault. Well, I mean, they can't really spread and go wide because they're they're limited uh, geographically by oh, the sea and by the the Everglades essentially. Um my biggest problem with Miami skyline is it just sort of lacks articulation between the buildings. You just have a lot of residential buildings, they're all the same color. Uh I like these big meaty type office towers to be mixed in and Miami doesn't have that. So yes, there are three different skylines. You've got downtown Miami, you've got Miami Beach, and then you've got Sunny Isles Beach, which is about 10, 11 miles north of Miami. And they've got a bunch of tall buildings now as well. It's not technically in Miami, but it's starting to, yeah, I'm not a fan. All right. I have a feeling Cyrus isn't a fan either. His, his, he, this is kind of a leading question, right? It seems to have a very disorganized skyline, too much space between the buildings. Can it even be considered to have a skyline? I think Cyrus was hoping for a particular answer, and I think you've satisfied him. Yeah. But now Cyrus turns to me because he has a second part to his question. Okay. He says, I have a bonus question for Kid Midas. Do guitar cables change the sound of an effects pedal if everything else stays the same? 
Have you ever tried changing your cables to see if you hear a difference? Cyrus, this is a this is a much more neutral question than the one that you posed to John. So I'm not sure what answer you're looking for, but I'm just going to speak from my own heart and just say the truth as I see it, or should I say as I hear it, which is that I don't think cables make a difference. And even if they did make a difference, I would deny they make a difference because the last thing I want to do is start spending all the rest of my money on a bunch of fucking fancy cables. Cables are just wires, right? Who cares? I think the only thing to look for in cables is is length and durability. I think a quarter inch jack is probably just as good as any other quarter inch jack. So no, I don't I don't care about cables. And in fact, if I have the opportunity, I always buy cables secondhand for super cheap because I don't think it matters. And maybe some people are going to disagree with me, but that's fine. We still live in America. And until Ron DeSantis is president, we can still have the right to disagree with each other about guitar cables. John, we got a letter from Stephanie about numbers. Oh, okay. I thought this would be a good week to talk about this letter because, in fact, I have designed and am anxiously awaiting a brand new EPM sticker that will go out to new Patreons. The sticker says, listen to the numbers, and it's quite a striking design. I'm very pleased with myself, I must say. Where did you, how did you come up with those numbers in the sticker? I just made up the best fucking numbers that yeah. I could think of. They're those good. are some solid numbers. Yeah. yeah. You look at those numbers and you're like, this about sums it up. This is what numbers are all about. Yeah, sums. Yeah. So once the stickers come, then we're going to look into the idea of perhaps making a t-shirt that says, listen to the numbers. So anyway, let's get to this numbers email from Stephanie. Stephanie writes in, I have an observation about numbers in different languages, and hopefully other EPM listeners might be able to help me understand how this came to be. I noticed that in many of the languages I've learned, there is a unique name for the early teen numbers, which doesn't follow the logical 10 plus number sequence observed later on. For example, a logical number naming sequence in English would be 10, 1 teen, 2 teen, 3 teen, we have 14, 5 teen, but for some reason, we only start doing this at 16. In Spanish, the unique names also finish at 15 quince, and logical naming sequence starts at dieces. Dieces. 16, right. In French, my first language, we have to wait until the number 17 to get the logical naming sequence. The number 16 is seize. Oh boy. How would you say that in French? I don't know. Seize. Seize. And 17 is decept, maybe? Or 10 Sorry, seven. French speakers. We're, mass- we're out here massacring the French. I know David speaks German, and I was wondering yeah. if he <laughs> and other EPM listeners could share whether or not the languages they speak follow a similar pattern. I'm guessing this is not a coincidence, and it might have something to do with buying and trading things by 12 or 15 units. What is German? German is... Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun, zehn. German counting. One through 20. Guten Tag. Okay, so in German, 10 is zehn, 11 is elf, 12 is zwölf, so we're still not... We're, we're not in logical mode yet, but we hit it at 13, because 13 is 13, which is 310. And then 14 is 14, which is 410. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and then 20 is 20. 
So German gets to logical mode quicker than the other ones that we've mentioned at 13. Stephanie continues, while writing this email, I remembered that some cultures use a base 12 system for finger counting using their phalanges. And I wondered if this had anything to do with the naming of numbers. So I checked out the finger counting article on Wikipedia. And although I didn't find the answer, I did learn some interesting facts about body counting. The Yuki language in California and the Pamian language in Mexico have octal base eight systems because the speakers count using the spaces between their fingers rather than the fingers themselves. And That's, go ahead. Did you uh, do you understand what you just read? Yeah, it's interesting. That's crazy. They count with the negative space. The interdigital folds is the technical term for those those spaces in between your fingers. That's wild. Because there aren't as many. Right. So they're in base eight because that's what they grow that's up right. with. Oh, bodies. And in the telephone language of Papua New Guinea, body counting is used to give higher base counting systems up to base 27. Yeah, because some some cultures use body parts beyond fingers and toes as part of their body calculation. I read about that in one of my numbers books that I'm that I'm wading through. So that so they're in a different base system. Incredible stuff. I'm currently learning Mandarin, and the naming of numbers is completely logical. Once you get to 11, you just say 10-1 and keep going. However, they have a unique name for 10,000 called Wan, which makes things a bit confusing. When you want to say 100,000, then you have to say 10-Wan, and 1 million is 100-Wan. I apologize for this email being all over the place. Feel free to edit it however you like if you're going to read it on the podcast. Thanks for your lovely content, EPM forever. Thanks, Stephanie. We will not edit this email, Stephanie. We enjoyed wandering through the no. through the garden of earthly delights with you, the garden of numerolo- numerolo- numerological delights. John, do you remember how to count to four in Chinese? I can't remember if it's Mandarin or Cantonese, but I remember from our trip, E-R San Su. There you ah. go. One, two, three, four. That's as much as I remember, though. I don't remember that at all. I just remember uh, I would like some bing da. Cold beer. I think that was cold water. Oh, bing, bing shui maybe is cold beer. Bing shui. Well, that's fun. Yeah, that was fun. Before we go, I just wanted to acknowledge a personal triumph. I went to the swap meet the other day and found a guy selling a pile of old LP records. And one really struck my eye because it looked like it was in good condition. It looked like a vanity press release. And also it had something to do with thematically, it had something to do with the election profit makers as it is currently construed. It's an album called Themes for Television, Sports and Aerobics. And when I bought it, I thought it was somebody who had composed bed music for use with telecasts about sports. It came out in 1984 when America was covered in Olympic fever. The back of the LP says recommended for television, sports, and aerobic programming, recommended for radio programming. So I thought, oh, if I buy this, it's probably some public domain sports music that I could use when we do our Patreon episodes about the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Well, friends, I'm pleased to say that this album also contains an unusual song about E.T., the famous extraterrestrial who we have been talking about on previous episodes about the Neil Diamond song, Turn On Your Heart Light, which was an unofficial, non-licensed, legally problematic song about E.T. 
that came out in 1982, but your your came out two years later? In 1984. Wasn't E.T. kind of not? I think America still had E.T. fever, and this composer wanted to add to the E.T. discourse because there's a song on this album called E.T., Where Are You? And it's really unusual. And on the back of the LP... The liner notes say this album is dedicated to world peace, the 1984 Olympics, sports fans, physical fitness enthusiasts, and music lovers the world over. And then it also says, long live the planet Earth, E.T. and the L.A. Raiders. Okay. And in this song about <laughs> E.T., um, well... <sighs> I'm gonna, maybe I should figure out how to play a snippet of it in the podcast because uh, yeah. I only got halfway through the song. I couldn't listen to it anymore because it was just – it was just – I don't know. It was just like – E.T. is featured in the, so- in the song. Someone someone does an incredible impression of E.T. Okay. Let's just say that. Okay. It's a pretty intense impression of E.T. <laughs> okay. And, and I thought that's all the song was going to be, these kids asking, E.T., where are you? There's a – point in the song where they're like et welcome to panama et welcome to germany but later in the song the song is very dramatic it's kind of like a musical we cut to the t- we cut to a radio broadcast of the super bowl yeah ha- i haven't played you this part of the song yet John. what and the super i thought this was for the olympics although the la raiders were mentioned yeah but this this song is about this football and E.T. wins the football game by running the field with the ball. E.T., E.T. Can you imagine E.T. holding a football and outrunning a bunch of defensive tackles? It happens in this song. And then the crowd goes crazy and starts chanting E.T. E. I mean, this song is really unusual. Wow. So I was gobsmacked by this record. And all, I need to say this record is also in pretty good shape. Not Mint, not VG+. Plus. But maybe VG, maybe VG. So as I do whenever I find a weird record at a thrift store or a swap meet or an estate sale, I was like, let me go on Discogs and see if this is worth anything. And nine times out of 10, there's 50,000 copies of the EP or the LP available for sale on Discogs. And the average sale price is like 22 cents. And I've usually paid like $3 for it, like an absolute sucker. But I'm happy to report that this time around, this time around... I hit the jackpot. The average sale price for this LP, which is called Themes for Television, Sports, and Aerobics, on Discogs. This isn't the average list price. This is the average sale price is just over $100. Wow. And there's a copy on sale for eBay for $250. Wow. So I got myself a little treasure this past weekend at the swap meet. I got myself a little treasure, and I'm very pleased with it. So I want to ask any other listeners out there who might be in the same habit that I am, which is like rifling through LPs at the thrift store. And obviously like most of this was more fun before Discogs because now there's a market for everything. Everything's all picked through, you know, you can't go to a thrift store without it already having been picked through the LP selection. But I want to know, has anybody else out there ever found a treasure, something at an estate sale or a thrift store, and then you go online and realize that it's actually worth a lot of money and then you sell it and you make all this money. Like, isn't that the dream of, of um, resellers? You go to the thrift store, you find like Balenciaga evening gown for $10 and then you sell it on Depop for like $2,000. Right. Because that's all I watch on TikTok are people talking about how they find this stuff at thrift stores and sell it. I'm talking about fashion stuff. 
So contacted election profit makers, if anyone out there has ever found a LP treasure in the in the bins at the Goodwill or whatever. Anyway, E.T., Where Are You? It's a pretty good song. Actually gets into a groove, but it's it's all in all, it's an unusual song. Okay. John, we've reached the end of the road. The journey is coming to a close. Just as March is reaching its terminus, so too is this particular episode of Election Profit Makers. And with that, friend, I invite you to read the closing credits. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.